Welcome to another episode of Sit Down Startup Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're your hosts, Pedro and Tara, and we bring inspiring stories from leaders in the startup space. Remember going to a coffee shop and overhearing a great conversation? Well, that's what we aim to bring you on this show. We invited founders, makers, and investors to have customer-centric conversations about building the new generation of disruptive startups. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SitDownStartup for more details of our show. But with risk comes reward, right? For this episode, Pedro talks to Justin Hall, founder and CTO at Bud.com. Justin spent over 20 years building his company, an online service that helps you find legal, lab-tested, quality cannabis for delivery. Of course, this is dependent on your area and state legislation. Justin is a trailblazer in the cannabis industry, and it was definitely risky in those early days. That's right, Tara, but Justin had a vision. He and the Bot.com team are really focused on educating customers and have a lot to share about operating a company in a highly regulated industry. I really enjoy our conversation. Are you ready? Let's sit down and start up. Justin, I'm super excited to have you on our podcast today. Uh, I wish we were in person in San Francisco so I could take you out for a nice coffee. Maybe some CBD drops on it. But uh, we always start our show asking our guests your, your favorite coffee shop drink. So what is your take? I think I love to get a decaffeinated chai. If, it, if, if I'm in the type of place that has that, it's got the spiciness, but I don't use caffeine to lift my moods, so I just enjoy a little bit of creamy, spicy coffee shop delight. I see. Have you been to the chai bar on the Market Street uh, close to the Zendesk office? No, but I think they would have, they would have a decaf chai, right? Yeah. They do. They have, they have all sorts of chais and... Whenever I need an afternoon hit, that's my place. So they have a really good one, Tiger Chai. That's that's a lot of power on, on one coffee <laughs> chai. Yeah, that's your, your afternoon hit. I I I am not a caffeine user, so if I drank your Tiger, I think I would just roar out. It would be too exciting. You won't sleep for days. So <laughs> that's definitely going to be. I can feel it that. But uh, Justin, uh, today uh, our episode is airing on 420 and we are super excited to have you here to share more about your story and the story behind Bud.com. Uh, for our listeners, right, uh, on, in 2019, the legal marijuana business in the U.S. hit all-time sales of $12 billion. But you were a trailblazer and you purchased the subdomain of bud.com back in what 1994 and since then you've done many many different things with that brand can you walk me through the past 20 plus years and how you decided to purchase the subdomain and what happened after that sure thank you thank you pedro so i am uh, lucky in that i was born into a house where i learned computers and I had access to the internet as early as 1988. So I started college in 1994, and that's where I first saw the web. And when I saw the web, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be really something big. I want to get in on this. And so I worked very hard building out a personal website 
called Justin's Links from the Underground, where I went all over the web and found cool links. And I took that website and I used it to get myself an internship at Wired Magazine because they seemed like pretty cool arbiters of culture at that time. So I got to join the team at Wired when I was 19, and the people on that team taught me how to register web domains. At that time, in 1994, they didn't charge you for them. You had to write a letter explaining what you were going to do with the domain. So I wrote a letter saying I wanted bud.com for my firm. I think that was called like Blue Sky Ultimate direction or something. And we were a firm that was going to use bud.com for our firm. And so I got this domain and um, I've paid the fees to keep it registered ever since. And over the last 20, uh, geez, uh, seven years, it's been a, uh, I I ran a video game through it called the uh, PMOG, the passively multiplayer online game. I ran a, a software bulletin board where people could post anonymous content to see if that would show me what the world wanted from bud.com. I knew it was a great domain, but maybe if I had a a message board, people would write there the fun things you could do at bud.com. And pretty quickly, people started using it to try and sell cannabis. They would say, hi, I've got pounds of this cannabis and I've got pounds of this other cannabis and I will ship it to you and I'll throw in 12 Xanax with every order. Um, and And I'm based in Indiana. So it was like totally illegal in like about three different ways. And I started to pant. I just was like, oh, this is clearly like I would be in trouble if I ran, if I host, if I became like a hosted Silk Road of, of cannabis on the web. Um, so I tried a bunch of different ideas until I uh, was able to uh, meet a great business partner, a guy named Dean Arbit, who's the CEO of Bud.com today. We're a delivery service. We're uh, sitting between the dispensaries who have great products and the customers who want them. We help those dispensaries set up their online ordering, their delivery profile, and, and we run the customer service so that as the delivery orders start coming through for those local operators through bud.com, we handle that those requests and, and so that the those dispensaries in those towns can basically add a delivery component to their service without uh, needing to sort of fully staff a digital marketing, digital customer service operation, which is what we're good at because we have this fun domain name that people can find and spell and share really easily, bud.com. It's very short, very portable. And so now it's a service where people can go and if they live in a service area, they can get weed delivered to them. And I'm, uh, you know, when I registered it when I was 19, and I think, boy, I'm very lucky that I had the chance to register it. So now we formed as a social benefit corporation uh, around this domain so that if we do well, we want to make sure that other people in our communities and the communities that have been affected by the war on drugs get some of that benefit that we'll get. And it's, a, you know, it's a big change in our society if something that used to be illegal is now permitted and encouraged and commoditized and we get to go along on that adventure because our timing is good, but there's people who are in jail for doing what we're doing, uh, which is a, it's a mind-blowing fact. People, you know, if I was doing what I did 10 years ago without computers, I'd be in jail, you know. So um, that I am the, the beneficiary of crazy change, and I feel we have an obligation to, to acknowledge that and do something about that. Um, this... Uh, last three years of doing bud.com has been the adventure of my lifetime. You 
there's so many goodness on that 20 years journey moving all the different iterations and with uh the all the legalization right all the all the changes that the regulation on cannabis uh, allow you now to build a marketplace where you're connecting uh, dispensaries with users online, providing that technology, the whole journey. That really changed the way that uh, people consume cannabis, right? They don't need to go through shady ways or people that they don't trust the product or putting themselves in risk. Uh, going to different parts of town that is not very safe. So you're providing now a whole different experience for people to consume different types of cannabis products. And you are also providing to business owners the same way that um, uh, Shopify provides for business owners a, a place to sell their products, market the products. You are providing all of that through bud.com. And my next question for you on this is that if, for a lot of the regulations behind the business, it's not very easy for you to advertise or acquire your first customers, right? You cannot have your website or app listed on the App Store, or Google Store, right? You cannot run ads on on main on mainly social medias or Google's because of regulation. So, how did you put the word out there to get people to uh, go to your website and do transactions through Bot.com? Yeah, it's a great question. You mentioned the challenges of setting up a cannabis business in a regulated industry. Before I, I answer your question about how people find bud.com, I want to um, just talk for a moment about uh, the challenge we had in 2017 when we were setting up our e-commerce business, just finding software providers who were willing to sign contracts with a cannabis company or who were willing to allow us to set up our, our services. We had to you know, when we looked at the vendors, we wanted to build a, a, a good uh, customer experience. And we didn't, not all the vendors we talked to who made software would host our service. So uh, we were glad that Zendesk was, uh, you know, willing to work with a cannabis company in 2017, uh, you know, uh, and you were one of the vendors that we found that was willing to take that risk when maybe, uh, you know, other companies saw that cannabis tech was still too risky. Anyway, uh, what we've done in this climate where we're not able to use all the advertising channels, we're not able to, you know, always use credit cards or banking. I mean, the, the sort of the obstacles are fascinating and it's a great challenge course for startup building when you can't use payment providers. Um, and so uh, but in the, in the ad space, there are special networks set up for cannabis businesses, but they suffer from being special networks in that there are fewer of them. They have less traffic. And some of their tech is not always as up to date as sort of mainstream cannabis uh, advertising tech. Uh, you know, there are, uh, you know, people who are able to figure out how to get Google ads up and spend to do battle on Google. And we've done some of that. But we what we where we really have invested our focus is just on building a great site for people that answers their questions, that gives good product information that has clear listings so that people can find it. And if you have a good site, then a domain like bud.com has a, uh, like we've, I've been writing about pot on bud.com for 25 years. There's been, you know, stuff about marijuana on there kind of in one form for another for a long time. So it has some authority and some history and some connection in that way that gives us an advantage in our company where we, we haven't spent 
on paid marketing yet. I think we'll raise some money and, you know, make ourselves blow up through some paid marketing. But our strength is really in that organic domain traffic that we're, we're lucky to have. That's fascinating. Uh, and for folks that are not very familiar, right, you cannot take credit cards, right, because uh, in the U.S. is still not uh, federal regulated or legalized. So uh, most of the cannabis business today is through cash or debit card. So that makes it very hard to run e-commerce <laughs> websites. So that's another challenge uh, that you're facing to grow your business. Uh, yeah, and people always say, why don't you take PayPal or Square or Venmo? And it's like none of those providers will work with you. If you buy cannabis and you use one of those providers, they are not a legal provider. They are an illegal provider who has temporarily signed up with that digital payment service. And as soon as that digital payment service catches them, they will be shut down and, you know, and their account per stopped. So because we're building a long-term business, we have to sort of work with the software vendors and say, like, we're not secretly like, a, you know, pretending to be some. We are what we are and, and work with us or not, you yeah. know. And which makes your role as CTO more challenging, right? Uh, I'm very curious to understand what does a CTO uh, job is in your day-to-day -day, uh, for a marketplace that sells cannabis? Yeah, you know, I, we have multiple clients in a way. We have our dispensary partners and we have the people who are ordering cannabis through the web. And I always want to make sure that the customers at home can see what the dispensaries are putting on their shelves. So I spend an early part of my day just making sure that our store shelves are stocked properly. And then my, a lot of my job is just unblocking people and making sure that everyone has the tools they need and that the tools are, the, the information is flowing properly between all the different tools we use. I mean, I've built, I've been a part of startups for decades now. And today you, you're able to build a, a company doing advanced digital services pulled together from multiple software vendors. And that is a extremely powerful, you know, these API connections that, you know, I'm just putting up all these great services that these other people focus on. Somebody else is focused on map building. Somebody else is focused on, you know, the text communication. Somebody else is focused on, and I can pull all those services together. So a lot of my day is actually spent looking at software vendors and, you know, sort of arranging settings and APIs and reviewing things and, and then communicating with my team who we were virtual before the COVID and now we are, you know, still virtual and more of us that some of whom we've never met, you know, beavering away on their computers and, and growing their hair out, you know. And talking about COVID and pandemic, uh, I have a question that is getting old, but I'm very curious to hear from your business. Like most of all e-commerce platforms in the US saw a huge spike. Uh, during the pandemic, is that true for your business? You notice more people using Bud.com since they were locked at home. If we look back to March 13th, 2020, I remember that date because that was basically the day our business tripled. Wow. And uh, it, like it happened overnight and it didn't let up. And sometimes it went up to 5x and then back down to 3x. But like it never went below 3x what it had been. Um, and so suddenly we were in a new normal of heightened demand for cannabis delivery and at, at all hours in all communities in, in, I mean, it was just, a, it was a big tie. I was chained to my desk for a couple of weeks, just 
trying to set up more systems and process and scaffolding to hold the demand and support our colleagues and figure out what policy should be and, you know, and like make people safe. And I mean, just wow, so much to sort out. I, I, I assume that you were not expecting that sort of spike, right? And also the dependency of your partners that they now all of their stores were shut down so they couldn't sell products so they were relying on platforms like bud.com to get their main source of revenue so it was a lot of responsibility to keep those people the job and those business running right oh and i think i i realized that because within like three or four days of the shutdown we had heard from a lot of the big dispensaries around in the areas we served messaging us saying like, how do we get on bud.com? How do we get on bud.com? And I was like, oh my God, I have a responsibility to build this thing so that these people can keep their lights on and keep going and growing. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been, a, I mean, it's great. It's, it's, it's gratifying to be part of a business that helps people get through a difficult time. Makes sense. And I, and now in the U.S., more than 35 states are somehow uh, legalized to purchase marijuana through a medical license or recreation, which is mind-blowing, uh, to be honest. But a lot of times now, you are making it easy for first-time users to consume the substance, right? And by removing the medical appointment that folks had to go through, there is one last touch point of somebody that can guide them on the users, right? How do you know if you're not familiar of what is THC versus CBD? What is Indica, Sativa, the percentage? Should I smoke? Should I eat? So how are you enabling your team to the channels that you provide support to educate first users that uh, land on bud.com? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think in... In California, we have a lot of cannabis literacy. There's been some form of a state-level legal market here since 1996 uh, when the Medical Act was first per passed and then people opened storefronts and you could walk in and talk to somebody and they'd sell you cannabis. And so over the years, there's just a lot of people in California who, who have an opinion about edibles versus smokables and they'll tell you that and they've tried vaping and, and they'll talk to you about that. So I'd say there's a lot of casual cannabis literacy just around in our home turf here. But when you go, when you talk about going to a Louisiana or you go to a Dakota state or something, you say, hello, we'd like to now offer you a tincture, a gummy, a suppository, a patch, a transdermal patch, a flower, a concentrate. I mean, that's a lot of new products and categories to imagine. But when I think about how to how that will, will play out, I just imagine someone who has never heard of alcohol before going into a convenience store, picking up a six pack of beer, coming home and thinking, OK, six beers. This is the dose. I'm going to have one. I'm going to have another one. I'm going to have another one and have another one. And you know, we'll see how you feel. Um, I think for cannabis edibles, that's the, the product where we have the greatest sorts of opportunities to intervene to help people have a good experience. And so what we say, we have FAQs on our site. So if somebody is willing to acknowledge that they're a new user and they go looking for information, they click something that says like help or guide or FAQ, we will take you to a page that makes some very basic recommendations, which I'll repeat on your, on your show. This is psychoactive substance. So it provides relaxation, relief, 
sometimes things for different people. So for some people, it makes their mind calm. For some people, it makes it awake. And the same product can have that effect on different people. So it's very much about your chemistry. And so the best way to, and because we don't have a system of doctors administering this stuff, because it's it's still more casual, a little bit like alcohol, uh, you can find your own dose, right? I think you might know your own dose of alcohol. Find your own dose of cannabis. And I would say for edibles, start at like two and a half milligrams or five milligrams. And the the nice, so when you were talking earlier, Pedro, about the sort of the history of how people could acquire cannabis, and now that we have legal cannabis, people don't have to go to dangerous places to acquire cannabis. I think I want to acknowledge for a second that cannabis is a plant that comes out of the ground. A lot of people get cannabis from people they know, people they love. There's a lot of cannabis that's shared by people who grow it with a passion, who are not commercial, but who just appreciate what the plant does and want to share it. And I think there's an essential kind of attitude of sharing and growth that's built into being in a business about a plant like this. And so I think one of the main benefits of a commercial product, and sometimes I get a little bit sad that, you know, you buy cannabis from a cannabis shop and it's inside like a a glass thing with a plastic top inside of a cardboard box delivered in like a mylar bag. Like when it's just, it could be a flower somebody handed you and, and you know, you have a jar at home already. Anyway, we can't sell it that way because of regulations. We have, we can't be as ecological as we'd like, but what we can offer people is dosed edibles. And that's, I think a really nice thing. That's very, it's harder to get at home. You can make great cookies and brownies with the pot that your friend grew, but until somebody eats one, you're not going to know what's going to happen. And you don't know whether it's like a half a cookie or three cookies. And, and so when you buy something from the store, they tell you 10 milligrams, eat half, you know? So if you get, you buy stuff from the store, Read the labels. They'll give the late. The product manufacturers are obliged to make doses that are no larger than ten milligrams. So that's you can eat ten, and you probably not. You know, you'll be stapled to the floor. You won't go anywhere if you eat too much. But ten milligrams is not going to knock you off your butt. But if you're a new user and you really don't know, start with five. Anyway, that I'll get off my my little soapbox about that. But there is a user education piece to that, and that's a big part of why we put a lot of content online. We just want to help people have more literacy. And we can, and we get these questions from users, so we write the answers in our in our guide, and then it, over time it builds this knowledge that that we want our customers to have if they if they're coming new to the market. That's super interesting. Uh, um, seven years ago when I joined Zendesk, and we were helping our customers use FAQs and build knowledge base to educate. Uh, their customer base on their products. I never thought that we would do that for cannabis business. So is how is one of those things that you see how the world is changing. Uh, and when you're building a software, you never know exactly all the details of how people will use it, which is kind of the beauty of that. You're empowering people to do their business. And education is super important, no matter what type of product are you consuming to make sure that you have an enjoyable moment and overall, right, uh, a satisfied and a well-known customer comeback to your business because mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. had a good trip, so they want to do it again instead of like um, not knowing the best way to use it. So it's very, very important. I'm very glad that you are not enabling your team on education to make sure that people that are from the one point, right, you are removing friction and make it easy for folks to uh, consume cannabis. But like 
alcohol and some other drugs. There's a true side of the coin, so you need to make sure that people are enabled and well-educated to make their own choices. Uh, but now that we're talking about FAQs and we are diving to the customer support side, um, I have a question for you more on that area of the business. How did you define the best channel to provide support to your customers? I think it's where our customers are. So, I mean, early on, we knew we wanted SMS support because I thought about how do a lot of people today correspond with the person who sells them pot? If they're coming from a pre-legal market, it's pro they're probably texting with their dealer. Uh, and so I thought, well, we want to be on text with our customers. And um, I think for, uh, you know, people of a certain age who are young, they're comfortable in a chat environment. So we wanted to have you know, a chat widget on our page and SMS on our page. And, you know, email is, you know, I'm a little bit older, so I'm comfortable with email. And, uh, but I think we just wanted to make sure that we were able to serve a diverse audience. You know, I think the, the older folks we have who are in their 80s or 90s might really prefer to get on the phone with us. So we have, we have opened channels to accommodate a range of customers because there's a lot of different people who enjoy cannabis delivery and the the you're bringing something to someone's house and because it's regulated we can't leave cannabis on your doorstep so we need we need to be there at the same time as you so that's a little bit of a logistical dance we have to do to get everybody to be in the same place at the same time so it's good to be able to meet people where they wherever they are but we have found that some of the more immediate tools like uh, phone and text uh, suit this kind of delivery situation more than, uh, you know, like an email, uh, like a, a slower thing on some of the, like, are you there now type of questions. Yeah, that that's music to our ears here at Zendesk. Uh, you're leaving the motto of meeting your customers where they are. And we've been, we always had this conversation about telephony, which surprisingly enough is being a channel that most of the founders that come on our show prefer when they ask for support on their own uh, brands that they're consuming their products. And telephony is, I mean, is not going anywhere, right? There's different use cases of support channels that apply to different parts of the business or different times of the journey of the customer. So you're optimizing to get folks to use FAQs, to have a, a widget on your website, on chat, but on your delivery part, you need to be there for them and they need to sign it. So you need something that is more like real-time connect connectivity to your customer. So And that's right. A single a single customer will, will use multiple communications methods in the same in, 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 a, in, in the same sort of experience. So that it's nice to have that all together. Yeah. So then that leaves me leads me to the question for you. When you are asking for help uh, to one of the brands that you consume products, what is your go-to channel of support? Uh, me, I'm always web chat because I want to be. I don't want to be chained to the phone. I want to be doing three other things. The downside is you lose the. You can lose the 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 agent you're assigned to. So the companies that do text support, I like that because then I can pick it up and resume it at my at my own pace. Uh, but so yeah, I'm a text or chat guy because I like asynchronous. Justin, we are getting to the end of our conversation, so super, super enjoyed passing time with you and 
really, really want to get to know you in person and share a coffee. Uh, but before we end this, what is the most, the thing that gets you more excited about the future of Bud.com? I think last year was a really difficult year for a lot of people. Uh, COVID coming on and so many things shutting down. So I think that there's going to be a huge surge of energy if we can get people vaccinated and healthy and out of their houses. And I am just so grateful for the people who during those down months came along for the ride uh, and joined our company when it was uh, really tough sailing last year. And I think the the fact that we have this great crew and we can now, like everyone around us is going to be happier. I don't know. We will look back at this time and just remember there was a lot of anxiety and sadness just from not being able to connect with each other in person and missing so many rituals and events and gatherings that were a part of our everyday fabric of life that I think the... Like I'm just excited to do business with Bud.com and have a, a, a world in which people feel that they are able to express themselves and connect and, and gather up and breathe more deeply and, and happily. And I think w everything will feel more successful if we can get out of our houses and hang out together a little more. Fingers crossed. Hopefully by uh, for 2022. Uh, people can celebrate in person and be there with your friends. So uh, today's we are airing this episode on 420. How are you celebrating it? I love seeing what all different communities do on 420. So on a good 420 in San Francisco Bay Area, you can go to you know street party in Oakland and the party in Golden Gate Park and walk down Haight Street and go to you know Bart and people are just out having marijuana good times and i i think i'll try to do that in cyberspace this year i'll probably still be a mat but i'll take my mask off because i'll be at home so i'll be logging into some cannabis parties on the on the computers you know the cyberspace maybe a mix of zoom and clubhouse and all the different ways <laughs> that people are engaging online smokehouse yeah smokehouse here you go there's a new subdomain for you to buy <laughs> for the future there are so many clubs out there, so maybe you can get the first online uh, cannabis club for people that cannot meet in person. It would not be the first. There's so many cannabis experiments out there, people who've tried to figure out how to get people to smoke pot together online. But I think the truth is people still like smoking pot together in person. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it, right? Being able to share a moment with your friends and developing deeper connections. Yeah, or, or enjoying some good music or a walk on the beach. I'll talk about this forever, but yes, there's so much to do. Let's all do it together. Thank you, Pedro. There is so much to do. Yeah, of course, Justin. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining Sit Down Startup. Okay, have a good one. Enjoy your 420. Thanks for sharing your story with me, Justin. It's incredible to see the new experience you're offering for your customers. And what a great point about serving them where they are. It makes a lot of sense that you are using SMS and phone as one of the ways to communicate. And how interesting that you got your domain back in 1994. It just goes to show that you can really learn a lot on your first job. If you like this episode, help us out. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. And remember to stay safe. And hungry. Hungry.